0: Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the Pre Accident Podcast. Welcome to the pod. I'm so glad you're here. It is nice to have you on board. It has been uh, such a fun year. 2018 has really shaped up to be an interesting year. Uh, For so many reasons, I not all good. Let's just put that out there. Weird. I, I, I don't even it's hardly I should talk about it more. Instead of bottling it up, I should blab it out. But I don't know how much I want to blab about today's podcast is interesting. So I think you'll find it good if you're driving around, like driving to work or driving to out to a site or whatever it is you're doing. When you listen to the podcast, I think you'll find this one to be quite nice. You know how I always want to talk to people who are at the pointy end of the state, the practitioners, right? Well, that's what today's podcast does is it talks really about the practitioner and it talks mostly, well, it's, It focuses mostly around this notion of essential controls. But it looks at it programmatically uh, from a person who's doing quite a bit of thinking and leading in this area as it relates to incident numbers versus fatalities, uh, ankle sprains versus catastrophic failures. Um, And it's coming out of the utility industry where a lot of thinking is going on right now because there's a lot of um, expectation has changed really. That um, utility companies, really worldwide, this is not just a United States issue, um, have to stop killing people. I mean, they have to they have to do a better job at managing these catastrophic failures, whether it's a production failure, a distribution failure, a, a you know a generation failure, uh, or a customer service failure. It, these significant failures are becoming really a big part of their conversation, which makes sense to me because if you look at the journey that the utility industry has been on, at least in the United States, their, their performance is getting really good. Um, they're better at being safe. And now that they're good at being safe, they want to be safer. And so enter into the podcast Jenny Bailey. And Jenny's really out on sort of uh, – she's in a place where she's using a lot of new thinking – to manage problems that have existed a long time, and she's having good luck with it. And I really wanted to take a moment and sit down with Jenny and talk to her and just kind of get, get her feel and ask her some questions. And so that's what I did. And that's really what this podcast encompasses. It's a discussion around r- essential controls, high-risk failure, catastrophic failure, fatalities, serious injuries, you know, those kind of things, and how we think about it from a program management standpoint, how do we diffuse it in our organization, but also how do we think about it from a leadership standpoint? And what are we doing to support leadership at every level of the organization in getting people to look differently at this? And that conversation, I think you're going to enjoy immensely. I certainly did. Jenny's a breath of fresh air. She's she's fun to listen to. She's got lots of energy. Um, and she's smart. So that's pretty much what it takes to qualify to be on the podcast—that that's that is the test. Um, I don't know how I snuck through. I, I got I got grandfathered in. That's how I got in. But I, I think you'll find this podcast pretty darn stimulating. And from a practitioner standpoint, from a a, a person who thinks about this for a living, I would say this is um, this is a graduate level discussion. Let's think of it that way. That's a that's a good way to think of it. Other than that, life is grand. I don't have a lot of weird airline stories other than they keep canceling flights but i guess you guys are up with that you know anytime a drop of rain falls in dallas it pretty much messes my life up at least on thursday or friday the days i care about but um there's lots of excitement and uh, joy going on all around the world so we should just kind of tuck in and enjoy it and see what happens let's let's um uh, let's not waste much more of your time and get into this conversation without any further ado Please welcome to uh, the podcast, Jenny Bailey and her discussion around essential controls.
1: I'm Jenny Bailey. I'm the director of health and safety at Alabama Power Company.
0: So what's on your mind?
1: Critical risk management and critical controls are on my mind. So tell me
0: why, because this is very exciting to me. This is a really interesting topic.
1: So safety is the number one core value for Southern Company and Alabama Power. And everyone I've run across since I've been with the company puts their heart and soul into protecting people. And just like most companies over the last 40 years, we felt like reducing minor injuries was going to reduce fatalities and serious injuries. And now industry is learning that that's not true and that really managing critical controls and critical risk is a way to really prevent serious injuries and fatalities.
0: So pull the string on that. So what you're telling me is that things that hurt people are not the same things that kill people. And there's a, you guys are finding a difference between sort of the standard OSHA reportable things and actually catastrophic failure. Is that fair? That's fair. And what are you seeing? That's a, it's, a, it's a hard it's question, a hard, I know.
1: It is a hard question. Well, we're, we're seeing that putting the same amount of energy around a bee sting is not going to prevent someone from falling because they don't have fall protection or there's a handrail missing or somebody's moved the cover off of a open hole in grating.
0: So how do you determine where these critical controls need to exist?
1: Well, we started with data across the whole utility industry and how people were seriously injured, first how they were killed and then how they were seriously injured. And then we looked at our own experience and where we were having um, serious injuries and fatalities and we picked five areas to start with just to get our systems in place and they were the areas where we'd had the most fatalities and serious injuries across the system.
0: So what's the program look like? These are hard questions Todd. I didn't mean to ask hard questions. Uh, Let me ask it less threatening. So if I saw the program what would I see?
1: Well in across the fleet, we've got all the safety specialists right now who are trained to go out and look at work where there's exposure to high risk. And they have a checklist. So if, for example, there's exposure to falls, there's a fall checklist. And there's just three or four items on that checklist. And they have a little screen on their iPhone and they check yes or no whether or not the control is in place. And if you have all green on your controls, then the work can proceed.
0: So it's really almost a it's almost like a start work criteria as opposed to a stop work criteria. But what, what interests me, at least on your journey here at Alabama Power, is when you determined, well, so was it hard to determine what the critical risk was?
1: It wasn't as hard to determine what the critical risks were as what the critical controls were and how to write a checklist. Because there's a lot of controls that are really important, but they're not all critical. So you have to identify which ones are your absolute no-go
0: what's the difference
1: so for example training is a really important piece of working safely but training is not a critical control because you can't go out and look at somebody who's about to climb for example and know that they've had all the proper training and they understood it so while that's an important piece of working safely and an important piece of our fall protection program it's not a critical control that you can go double check on the fly
0: So uh, do people like this idea? Is is it a hard sell? I mean, have you had to go out and really work the sociology on it?
1: No, it's been a really easy sell. I was really surprised how easy of a sell. So we had decided to start for verifications with safety specialists. And just in describing the process at different staff meetings, we've had two different groups volunteer to also pilot doing self-verifications. So We have a group down in Mobile and um, a group in Eufaula that just raised their hands and said, we've been asking for something like this for a long time. Can we be the ones to help work the bugs out in the system and be your pilot?
0: So now that you're really getting the guys fixated on the critical controls, which I think is brilliant, does it it de-emphasize the less important crap?
1: I don't know that it de-emphasizes it because it is such a strong core value and nobody wants – to see somebody go home hurt, even with a sprained ankle. But it's how we react when the sprained ankle happens, or the bee sting happens, or the tick bite happens that's important. And that's really changing very quickly. Um, tick bites happen in the South in the summer. Doesn't mean they're not important, doesn't mean we don't want to prevent them, but we don't want to put our energy around the things that right now is a high frequency incident for us. We want to put our energy around something that's a low frequency, high consequence event.
0: So you've been on this journey. And you said something really interesting in a meeting that you and I both attended. And that was, as your serious or near serious events go down, your reportables are going up. How are you handling that? And first of all, is that predictive? I mean, will other companies sort of expect to see that? And I think probably the answer is yes. And how have you handled that?
1: So I would say probably everyone should expect to see that. I think our goal was to build trust so that every incident, no matter how minor would be reported, so that we made sure that we got something that could have been much worse reported as well. If That may not make sense, but what we're trying to do is, is really go down what's called PCIF, where we look at an event and we rank it by how potentially bad it could be, not how bad it was. And so that's why it's important to get every minor incident turned in, because you're, we're looking at it with a critical eye on how bad it could have been. So by building that trust and asking people to turn in incidents, we've seen our incident rate go up. Looking at data on the, the outcome of the incidents or the types of injuries that were seriousness of the injuries that we're seeing, um, our greatest increase in reporting is in cases that required one doctor visit with no follow-up. So I think in the past, that's an easy incident to not report or an easy injury to just shake it off, put some dirt on it, and go back to work. Well, now people are telling us about it more, and, and I would expect we're going to get more and more trust built and more and more reporting. Um so far, we, there's no, been nothing really to manage. Um, our our leadership team has kind of understood and embraced this journey from early on and kind of accepted that in order to get the information to prevent serious injuries, we were going to get information on all injuries, and it was going to make our recordable, recordable incident rate go up.
0: Well, So let's go back to that because I think that's the most important thing, at least the most interesting part of this journey is how did you prep the leadership team To make this switch? Because moving them from counting RIRs to actually understanding critical controls doesn't happen magically. I mean, you had to to make this happen. How did you do it? How did you coach your leaders?
1: Well, the first step was a safety culture survey across all of Southern Company, not just Alabama Power. And we had an incredible response to that survey. Um, And then as we shared the results with with each of the leaders, um, they had quite a bit of time with the company that helped us with the survey to ask all of these questions. So once they started asking a lot of questions, they were more open to go into some safety education themselves. So we're starting all the way with our CEO of Southern Company. Senior leadership is spending time in education on the new view of safety, and, and it's creating a paradigm shift among them that is then kind of translating across the entire company. And I think it's somewhat intuitive to understand that The things that cause minor injuries are not the same things that kill people at work. And I think we kind of have just stated the obvious and switched people's point of view by pointing out the triangle, the safety triangle. (laughs)
0: wrong <laughs> that's huge though now Corey, Corey pitzer did this the safety culture survey and i'm not a big fan of safety culture surveys but if i had to do one i'd probably do it with Corey because Corey's also not a giant fan of them as well how did that survey set you up to bust through the heinrich uh, problem the, the the belief that somehow these little events were predictive to big events what Corey do
1: well the survey was um timed it was on a computer and so people felt pressure to answer and they only had to answer I agree or disagree and some of the questions on the survey were designed to find out if risk was being hidden and if people were being treated fairly when an incident was reported and what came back was that we did have a high level of risk secrecy where people were um, concerned they would not be treated fairly if they turned in even a minor injury Um, and some of the the not being treated fairly, was not really formal processes. It could be that the last person to have an incident in a in a unit, I and mean, it was three years ago they tripped, their boss is still talking about them tripping three years ago, and that's not on purpose, but that inhibits reporting. So when the survey came back that risk secrecy was one of our, our problems that we needed to address, um, all of our senior leadership was very open to finding out how to address it.
0: How do you... How did you prep them to be open to that? What did you do with the senior leadership of Alabama Power to get them in a position where they're ready to make this journey?
1: I think it was the science behind the survey. I think the fact that the survey was validated and reliable wasn't just, you know, random questions that were made up. And um, we were compared in the survey results to other companies with our kind of same level of risk. And so where we ranked compared to other companies, I think added some validity to the story that Corey was sharing with them about what was going on um, at Alabama power and and all of Southern company.
0: So if somebody was going to go on this journey, they're going to go to the critical controls. They're going to look at their critical tasks. They're going to build this essentials verification, the critical controls checklist. What advice would you give them?
1: It's a bigger job than you might think at first. Um, and most companies that go down this um, path, it's been done in the mining industry quite a bit, um, underestimate the number of resources that it's going to take to really do this and do it properly. Um, and the second and probably the most biggest piece of advice is that it's really hard to write a checklist that reads the way you meant it. If you work in an area for a year discovering you know learning what your critical controls are, and then you want to write a question that an employee can read and understand exactly what you're asking. It's harder than you would think to write those two or three questions.
0: How do you validate those checklists?
1: With employees, um, and it's part of our project, our pilot project right now is we're making sure when they read the checklist that it. What I will say, what does that say to you? Does that say you know I need to make sure that my fall protection is on correctly? Um, and we have to had to really work at avoiding words like adequate, you know, things that are subjective.
0: Yeah, open door slowly, turn vessel. I mean yeah. the. That's hard. It's really hard. Uh, I mean, it's, there's so much to talk about here. But are, are people excited about this change? I mean, is it, is it meaningful? Is it Does it have legs? It
1: has a lot of legs in Alabama Power. I mean, every place I go to talk about it, people say we've been wanting something like this, you know, for years. Um, we don't, we don't want to water down safety. And I think it, it can be really easy to get to that point when you get closer and closer to zero, Um, and then an event happens and you kind of everybody wakes up and we realize that we were looking at the wrong thing um so this is an attempt to look at the right thing before the event happens and there's a lot of enthusiasm and it also it gives safety professionals um, throughout our system that are going out and talking to people something to talk about that gives us validity it makes us seem important and powerful and that we care that's that's Really, the fact is that we all really care, but it's easy to get lost in trip hazards and not see the rotating shaft right next to somebody. And so to be able to go out and talk with employees about you care about them and you want to make sure you have your fall protection on and you're tied off at the right height above your head so when you fall, you're caught before you hit the ground, that's a meaningful conversation to have with an employee. And that makes you feel like when you went home at the end of the day, you did something good.
0: One thing you're amazing at, and you really are amazing at this, Jenny, is, is keeping uh, uh, the importance and attention on the small things while actually introducing this change. How are you doing that? You're always so good about saying, it's not that we don't care about tick bites, you know, it's not that we don't care about ankle sprains. How have you really sort of managed that balance?
1: Just by being careful to make sure you point out that. A sprained ankle is important or a tweaked knee is important. It's important to that person with a sprained ankle or the sore back um, or who has to have stitches and can't swim during the summer for a few days while their stitches heal. Those are important to people, and and people are important, and how any minor injury affects our life short term is important. Um, But I think everybody can get behind the first thing we want to do is prevent somebody's life from being changed forever.
0: So are you seeing improvement?
1: We're seeing big improvement. Um, While our RIR is going up, like I mentioned before, we're seeing the biggest change or the biggest increases in reporting incidents that are minor and and can be taken care of with one doctor's visit and no follow-up. But our serious incidents are down by about half. And in fact, um, the first year that we changed our focus was 2017 to serious injuries. And um, that was our best year ever in serious injury performance since we've been keeping those records.
0: What'd you think? Huh? Hmm. Much to chew on, much to chew on. So we were, Jenny and I were in this big uh, high school gymnasium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And uh, the the conversation went on, but the batteries in my recorder did not. They chose to not go on. They went on without us. But it's kind of weird because that's Actually, if I were going to pick a place for emphasis to end, that would probably be the place where I would end for emphasis. Because there's a countervailing notion that Jenny introduces that we've talked about before, and that is that the traditional view says if you manage small events, you are also in the same motion managing fatality. So if you manage ankle sprains, you won't kill people. But in fact, Jenny's data... Um is is pretty green, it's pretty new, and her uh her population's not gigantic, but her data is showing almost exactly the opposite. In fact, in order to reduce fatalities, serious catastrophic failures, your low level reportability numbers will go up. So you're gonna actually have more you're going to have more events or knowledge of more events in order to actually be smarter in actually creating a way to manage the high frequent the highly significant events. Does that make sense? I got lost in my own conversation because I'm trying to do two things at once, be, you know, which I suck at. That is completely counter to the classic Heinrich model or really to the way most of your management in your organizations see and understand safety. And this part of the story, that's the part we have to tell. I mean, its we've got data now coming out of England that says organizations that have zero as a goal kill more people than organizations that don't have zero as a goal. And you've got Jenny saying she's seeing RIRs increase, but uh, significant high potential events decrease. And the data I'm looking at correlated across organizations is saying all kind of the same thing. And so that's, I mean, I come to you hat in hand saying, hmm. We probably should think about this because I don't know what this means for us as an industry, but it means one thing for sure, and that is we have to look at this differently. Um, Differently is going to be the key. And that our traditional traditional view, the traditional paradigm, which we've really done an amazingly good job at reinforcing, is now probably part of the reason why we have catastrophic failures. We have significant events, fatalities, and high-consequence failures. And that, my friends, that is a very important message. And I, you can hear it from me all day long, I suppose. You can probably read it. Um, but to have somebody like Jenny Bailey say, here's what we're seeing. You know, our best year ever in reduction of high consequence events, we saw an increase in our reportability. And and, and they're thinking they're seeing more honest response. And I bet they're right. I bet there is some reporting that was going underground that's coming up now. And that's a part of changing the culture. But I also think it has a lot to do with the fact that this is how you learn what's important and that we've spent a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money managing stuff that doesn't matter very much and not managing things that matter a whole lot. And so that turn from stop the job when you're unsure to start the job when the controls are in place, that turn is pretty significant. So we should stay on this. I mean, it's it's worth talking about, and it's, it's, it's definitely worth understanding. And that really is a big part of where we want the podcast to go and how we want to think about what we do. And I want to thank Jenny and really all the people at Southern Company. Um, they're so generous with their time and energy and effort because they're so concerned in making the world a better place that – It's completely worth our time. And so thank you, Southern. Thank you, Jenny. But more importantly, thank you for listening and and passing this information on and talking about this stuff. This this podcast today, that's relatively earth-shattering news in the safety and resilience and robustness world. That is completely counterintuitive to what we've taught people and the paradigm we've created. And we have to get out there and talk about it. That's what we do. And we have to do it the best way we can. And that's what the podcast is all about. So thanks for your time today. It was pretty good. I mean, this is a good way to spend a a morning in the summer or while you're walking the dog or while you're driving the truck or whatever it is you're doing. I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you for being a part of it. Tell your friends. Subscribe. That helps me a ton. Listen. Do things that you think make a difference. That seems to be the most important advice I could give you anywhere. If you see injustice, create restoration that's really powerful and and a big part of of what we think about until then my friends learn something new every single day i bet you did today actually today's a pretty good day for that have as much fun as you possibly can and for goodness sakes be safe (music)